You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. And there's wisdom in his words. All who draw the sword will die by the sword. And it, it's it's true for societies just as well as, as individuals. A society that lives by the sword will die by the sword. We're seeing that today. If we don't learn alternatives, we will, as a society, be destroyed by these guns that we love so much. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 243 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of uh, survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. Our title this week is Gun Culture, School Shootings, Racial Disparity, Militarized Police, and Jesus. Our feature text is Matthew 26, 52. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. So last week, as Crystal and I, my wife, we, we drove our kids to school, um, the, along with the kids that we carpool with, uh, these children had a conversation in the back seat on the best between themselves on the best escape routes at their schools in case a gunman showed up at their school and began firing. And I want you to stop and just let that sink in for a moment. Instead about talking about a, a, an upcoming test or, or a, a high school sports game or an after school event, they were talking about what they could do to stay alive if a shooter showed up at their school. This is not the world that that I want my kids to be growing up in. And I, again, as we so often say here, I believe another world is is possible. Let's talk about gun culture and the, the the dynamic of school shootings right now. And in Splendid Literarium, a treasure of stories, aphorisms, poems, and essays, the author, uh, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this name, I'm so sorry, but Aberjani, uh, he eloquently states, democracy is not simply a license to indulge individual whims and pro- proclivities. It is also holding oneself accountable to some reasonable degree for the conditions of peace and chaos that impact the lives of those who also inhabit one's beloved extended community. And the two words that jump out at me from this statement are accountable and reasonable. Community involves balancing individual rights and the well-being of that community. And the the, the tension between these two, um, it can be challenging, but our context this week, though, is protecting the lives of of our children. And I want to echo what Deshani Stokes tweeted last June after a, a a mass shooting in in Virginia. He, he he tweeted, "Violence isn't a Democrat or Republican problem; it's an American problem, and it's requiring an American solution." Violence is not a left versus right debate. Both sides of the aisle should be motivated to ensure that that no more children die. In my country, the the United States, it, it's we're obsessed with guns in this culture, and m- many people in my own 
own neighborhood. They value their individual rights to, to own guns over the lives of, of our community's children. And th- this is not hyperbole. Uh, Emma Gonzalez, uh, a Parkland High School shooting survivor who has now become famous as, a, as one of the spearheads of, of the, the movement that these young people are pushing forward, much needed. Um, she said in her, her now famous speech on February 17, 2018 in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, she said, I read something very powerful today. It was from the point of view of a teacher. And I quote, when adults tell me I have the right to own a gun, all I can hear is my right to own a gun outweighs your student's right to live. All I can hear is mine, mine, mine. And I'll put a link to that speech's transcript in the East Side this week. But the loudest voices right now in, in my neighborhood, in my community, uh, here locally, um, promoting individual gun rights, they are the, the Christians. And, and two years ago, I stood across the aisle from many of these same people as our town debated an inclusive non-discrimination ordinance. And the, these were the ones, the very ones, that that they they wore T-shirts, they held signs about about bathrooms and about keeping children safe, and and, and so it resonated with me last week when when Dana Simpson, if you don't follow her on Twitter, she's another one that's worth following. She tweeted, uh, "Hearing Republicans say, look, massacres of kids are very sad, but we just can't limit people's basic freedoms is weird. If you're a trans person who's been listening to a years long debate about whether you need to be." banned from public bathrooms to, quote-unquote, keep children safe. So it seems to me that keeping children safe is only a concern for some Christians when that serves their personal bias or their prejudice. It studies over and over, and I've shared this in the past. I'll put a link to these studies in this week's eSight too, but the studies have debunked the, the bathroom myth, and, and yet mass shootings are becoming commonplace. Mass shootings now so are so common in schools that, that some entrepreneurs are seeing an opportunity to even capitalize on them. According to to Business Insider, just last week, and I'll put this link in there too, you can now purchase a school nap time pad blanket for your small child that will double as a bulletproof shield. And I had to stop and think, really? This is is what we're marketing now. Do we really value the lives of the children in our community that little? Gun regulations, they they can operate just like speed limits. Or like car inspections or or, or a driver licensing. Uh, we, we title and tag cars at each sale and we mandate universal driver education and training. My younger daughter, I have three kids, my middle child, my, my younger of my two daughters, she's studying for her driver test right now. And she has to complete a written test and she has to sit behind a wheel and demonstrate her ability to, to drive the car safely. And my other daughter, she has to... Even wear her glasses when she drives. It says it right on her driver's license. And all of us, everyone in this state, has to carry liability insurance here in West Virginia. We have to have our cars inspected inspected every year too. And all of these rules exist, and and anyone who complies with them, they still have uh, and drive their car. The rules drive home the point that when you sit behind 
behind the wheel of a car, you share the road with everyone else. And, and this is with others who, who would like to stay alive themselves and who would also like to keep their children alive. So gun regulations, they could work like this, and they do work. Australia is a good example. And I know Australia has been the source of, of uh, uh, some people are claiming that um, uh, the homicide rates in Australia are up now since gun regulation, which has been proven false. I'll put you a, a link so you can fact check that. But, but And I'll put you another link here too. There are more than 130 other studies offer powerful evidence that, that common sense gun regulations do save lives. In, in Gary Young's Another Day in the Death of America, a chronicle of 10 short lives, um, Young writes, so long as you have a society with a lot of guns, and America has more guns per capita than any other country in the world, children will be at risk of being shot. The questions are how much risk and what, if anything, is being done to minimize it. If one thinks of various ways in which commonplace items, from car seats to medicine bottle tops, have been childproofed, it's clear that society's general desire has been to eliminate as many potential dangers from children as possible, even when the number of those who might be harmed is relatively small. If one child's death is preventable, then the proper question isn't, why should we do this, but rather, why shouldn't we? It would be strange for that principle to apply to everything but guns. And Adam Winkler, he also argues that even, even the Wild West had more gun regulations than many of our states do today. He, in his article, Did the Wild West Have More Gun Control Than We Do? He writes, when you entered a frontier town, you were legally required to leave your guns at the stables on the outskirts of town and drop them off with the sheriff, who would give you a token in exchange. You checked your guns then like you check your overcoat today at a Boston restaurant in winter. Visitors were welcome, but their guns were not. And you can also read Ross Collins's Collins article, uh, Gun Control in the Old West. But anytime we talk about gun control... I also want to, as a as a white person, uh, I, I, I want to be quick to to also acknowledge and and listen to the voices that point out how gun control has been used uh, to target people of color, um, the racial disparity that's practiced in gun control, and and, and uh, Philando Castile is a great example, um, uh, and the militarization of the police, and and this is not just a a current news topic. It's 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 also an area where we can apply. I think the teachings of Jesus, a key part of living out Jesus's shared table philosophy um, with a preferential option for the vulnerable that Jesus modeled, is learning to listen to other vulnerable voices around the table. Children are not the only vulnerable voices involved in the gun control debate. A white, uh, straight, cisgender, paranoid males uh, raised in an environment of toxic masculinity and, and claiming that they're being oppressed and, and their right to own uh, assault weapons that are being infringed, they are not the vulnerable 
in this world. But gun regulations have too often been used to, to disproportionately target uh, communities of color. And uh, Samir Rao, he cautions gun control in America won't work for all Americans unless advocates push to demilitarize police departments and advance measures that don't disproportionately impact people of color. Gun control reform that does not go this route will end in laws that further empower police to seize weapons and use them against whomever they choose. History shows who they'll target first. And you read his entire article is worth reading. Gun control advocates cannot win without fighting their own racism. And and, and, and if this history is unfamiliar to you, I'm going to put a, a link also to Creed Newton's article on how uh, calls for strict gun control after mass shootings how they often overlook how regulations have been used to to disarm people of color, and it's also a, it's a fantastic read. It's a, and it's a great place to start if if seeing the the uh, another where we're protecting one vulnerable demographic in our community, the children, where we push for gun control. How how those same gun control uh, um, uh, laws and regulations can be used to target another vulnerable section of society, and and how we need to to live in that tension. And 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 have uh, come up with something that that addresses both. And Newton, in in Creed Newton's article, um, he quotes Saul uh, Cornell of Fordham University saying, uh, "Gun laws, uh, saying gun laws are always racist, is just false. Saying that gun laws have never been racist is also just wrong." So here's the question: Can we protect our children? from mass shootings and also not disproportionately target people of color. Can we, like other countries, can we demilitarize our police so that citizens and non-citizens don't face a a unilateral gun regulation that would leave them even more vulnerable? Can we we equalize the rules of engagement? And again, I believe another world here in the U.S. is possible. Like other countries, we we can keep our children safe. Regulations can be carried out democratically and and with care so as to to not target uh, some vulnerable communities while we seek to protect other vulnerable communities. And I I believe we can choose a path that leads to a safer, more compassionate, just society without sacrificing any of those who are vulnerable. And this leads me this week to to my final thoughts on on our passage. And these words are about weapons and, and and, and they were about weapons two millennia ago, but I believe that w- they can apply to our, our, our own modern weapons today. In the Gospel of Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples pulls out a sword and he strikes another person in an endeavor to protect Jesus. He thought Jesus was vulnerable. Then Jesus turns to him and responds in Matthew 26, 52, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. And, and to be clear, the Bible is not a nonviolent book, nor does it even consistently teach nonviolence. But Jesus' teachings in the Gospels, they are consistently nonviolent. Even in Luke's Gospel, where Jesus tells the disciples to go buy a sword, I'll give you a link to my article on this and other places, but even the context reveals that he didn't intend that, that these swords were to be used. And there's wisdom in his words. All who draw the sword will die by the sword. It, it, it's, it's true for societies, 
societies just as well as, as individuals, a society that lives by the sword will die by the sword. And we're seeing that today. If we don't learn alternatives, we will, as a society, be destroyed by these guns that we love so much. And the Constitution, again, is not a, a moral counter-argument. The U.S. Constitution gave white people the right to own people until 1865. And, and that, that leeway wasn't right even though it was, it was written. And some also argue, but it's a heart matter. Uh, people need to, to learn how to deal with their anger without resorting to guns. And you can't change people's hearts, they say, with laws. And I hear this argument whenever laws are proposed to protect vulnerable or minority groups from the majority. They say rules don't change the heart, but rules do train and rules do change people. Rules have trained my children. Rules also shape people's hearts and and teaches them to to listen to others whose experiences is unlike their own. And both Dr. Martin Luther King and uh, Stokely Carmichael uh, or or, uh, 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 Tour, they address this argument convincingly for me. And if I just butchered uh, the name that that Stokely preferred, uh, forgive me. But uh, King said, and this is a Great statement. Now, the other myth that gets around is the idea that legislation cannot really solve the problem, and that is it has no great role to play in this period of social change because you cannot change the heart. You can't change the heart through legislation. He says you can't legislate morals. This is the argument. The job must be done through education and religion. He says, well, there's half-truth involved here. Certainly, if the problem is to be solved, then in the final sense, hearts must be changed. Religion and education must play a great role in changing the heart. But we must go on to say that while it may be true that morality cannot be legislated, behavior can be regulated. It may be true that the law cannot change the heart, but it can restrain the heart less. It may be true that the law cannot make a man love me, but it can keep him from lynching me. And I think that's pretty important also. So so there is a need for executive orders, King said. There's a need for judicial decrees. There's a need for civil rights legislation on the local scale within states and on the national scale from the federal government. That's an address he gave at Western Michigan University in in December 18, 1963. And and Stokely Carmichael Tour also wrote, um, and, and let me just say that Stokely Carmichael, he was staunchly opposed to any racist gun control measures. Yet he argued, if a white man wants to lynch me, that's his problem. If he's got the power to lynch me, that's my problem. Racism is not a question of attitude. It's a question of power. And I would add that to guns today too. They're not just an issue of attitude. They're an issue of power. And 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 I believe, again, there's a way to reach hearts while simultaneously limiting people's power to hurt others. And it doesn't have to be one or the other. Gun regulations are a matter of power. And and, and we must engage the work of balancing that power for all the lives that are involved. And I believe this can be done, de- again, democratically, um, if we as a society choose to do it, but re- rather than having representatives who are, are bought and owned uh, by the gun industry, the representatives that are bought and owned by the gun industry, they, they won't do it for us. We're going to have to do this. And in, in the words of Jesus, for all who draw the sword will, 
will die by the sword. It's time to lay down and, and as a culture, let go of, of our guns. Heart group application this week. This week, I want you to Google nonviolent conflict resolution resources. Just Google that phrase, nonviolent conflict resolution resources, and then find two or three. Now, there's a whole bunch that'll come up, but find two or three nonviolent conflict resolution practices, methods, um, uh, skill sets that resonate with you. And then number three, I want you to bring these two or three practices to your heart group this coming week and discuss together how you might begin to implement them as a group and, and as begin to practice nonviolence uh, together as a community, as a small community. That's where, where we learn. Conflict, remember, it's inevitable. Whenever you have two human beings, you're going to have, or more, you're going to have conflict. But it's it's violence that is optional. And nonviolence can begin with, with community practice. And, and then number four, I'll throw a fourth one in this week. Uh, call your representatives. Share how you feel about uh, the mass shootings and 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 measures that you hope that that lawmakers will take thanks for checking in with us this week remember uh, another world is possible keep living in love survival resistance liberation reparation and transformation and again if you'd like to support this podcast you can go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate i love each one of you dearly i'll see you next week mm-hmm.